Welcome to this week's episode of Financial Planning Explained. I'm your host, Mike Menninger, Certified Financial Planner, Founder and Owner of Menninger & Associates Financial Planning. Um, here we go again with not really a specific topic. We're all over the map. Uh, I got a friend of mine here um, by the name of Mike Eckenrode. He is a professional land surveyor. He's been working for Hanover Engineering probably since before they made dirt. Um, did they make dirt or did they invent dirt? I think dirt, dirt was around. Wheels, <laughs> wheels were square. But <laughs> All right, okay. Before they rounded them off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, good to Mike. Uh, he's, he's looking to retire pretty soon here. Um, and then do also, one of the other things that he does is um, he's a minority owner in a golf course. So we're going to talk about today is a little bit on the land surveying, uh, a little bit on, you know, approaching retirement and talk about golf course management if there is such thing if you know anything about it even though you're the owner and you're there yeah, very little bit about it. <laughs> thanks for having me hey thanks for coming i appreciate it wish so, we could have got here a little earlier but <laughs> yeah you know what it happens <laughs> sometimes <laughs> you made it <laughs> sometimes it does happen anyway so tell me what you do over there at uh, at hanover so you how, at, how long have you been there at hanover i'll, I'll be there 34 years in, in about a, a month 34, well, dude, 34. So I started in 87, now. June 1st, 87. All right, so that wasn't your first job? No, no, no. It was my second survey, or third survey job. I had a, uh, a three-month job, a nine-month job, and then jumped into Hanover and have been there ever since. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Dude, that's a long time. 34 yeah. years? You yeah. just don't see that anymore. No, I, I, I know it's unusual. Actually, at Hanover, we have a lot of guys that have worked there quite a long time, and it's, it's nice for consistency. Well, yeah, not only that, but I mean, it's just, I don't know. It, must, uh, yep. it says something about the company. If the I company does, has yeah. a lot of people who have been there forever, it, the guys who own the place now, were they the owners when you started? No, no. Jim Birdsall was the original owner and developer of Hanover Engineering. He hired me uh, one day a long time ago. Um, 34 years. 34 years ago, I walked in in, in work clothes, and uh, he hired me on the spot, uh, which I was always grateful for. Uh, but no, the management has changed. Jim has retired now and, and is, is off doing what he wants to do, and uh, uh, management is now different. Yeah, so yeah. is Hanover named after a person or a location? Uh, we are in Hanover Township, Lehigh County, Northampton County. And, uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, he, I'm not really sure that's why it's named that, but uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure I ever really asked Jim why he named it that. <laughs> well, you know, if it's in Hanover Township, then... Yeah, and, and we are the township engineers for Hanover Township. Oh, there you go. So. I would... Actually, there's a Hanover Township, Lehigh, and Northampton. We are in Northampton. So, so how many people work there? Uh, probably around 60. Oh, that many? Oh, I didn't realize that. Almost all, a lot of professionals, engineers, okay. surveyors, um, inspectors, designers... So what type of engineering do they do over there? Civil engineering. All right. So yeah. basically, you're you're basically developers, not developers. No, we we work for developers. Right. Okay. We we design subdivisions, uh, stormwater management systems, uh, sanitary. Oh, systems, actually, okay, okay. Uh, the full realm of subdivision. Okay. From from a piece of bare land, to a housing development or a building, uh, an industrial park. Okay. We've done both. 
so you got to figure all of the wetland stuff and the permitting and yep. and so do you yep. get township regulations zoning ordinances which change from township to township borough to borough so do you also get involved in developing um like literally you know if i bought this big old plot yep. of land of 50 acres yep. do you get involved in literally designing where the lots are yeah yeah really that's, that's what we do oh interesting yeah i mean we take the developer's general idea and then we put it on paper and you know they hash it out they go back and forth a little bit but you try to squeeze as many as you can all the townships have different ordinances like i said so some will require x number of square feet per lot and some will require two to ten acres per lot but uh, a lot of places you know you can go down to about a quarter acre and, and put a house on well yeah of course so i would imagine too um you know given all of the rules and regulations etc i mean i got involved in this one time before unexpectedly with the developer buying a property and, and yep. it's it's a you try to maximize the number of lots because if sure. you have a plot yeah. of land as long as you can you know um design you want to get as many lots in there yes. because they make money on the house right it's the selling yep. the building and the selling of the house so you want to get as many in there right and they got to put up all the money for buying the land for then the survey the design the installation of all the utilities before they sell their first house before they sell their first house right so these guys are dropping tens, tens of, of money yeah, yeah yeah to just to get to selling that first house right and everybody says well why our house is so expensive the the rules and regulations they make developers jump through these days are incredible yeah i mean it's just expense after expense after expense i could see that you know uh, as you know i just moved into a new house three years ago yep. and i see all the effort that goes into it and heck i'm looking at the plot of land in the layout a year before they even broke ground yep. on the first anything right before they got a penny back yeah so that's yeah. that's a it's, lot of effort it is it's it's a it's an interesting business it's gotten much more regulated over the years could be good, could be bad. I don't know. It, it, what I think it does is restrict uh, less costs of housing. Housing has to go up because of all the processes you have to go through. Like you said, wetland mitigation, uh, stormwater reviews. Open space. Open space. Uh, there's a lot of different things that go Yeah, into. all right. I okay. mean, I'm on the front end of it as a land surveyor. I, I'll, I'll uh, do the boundary on a parcel that they want to buy and we'll do a quick reference of the whole parcel to see what's actually on it. If there's anything that they don't know about, say coals, uh, garbage, anything like that. And then we'll do a topographical survey of the entire plot so they know the lay of the land because they need that in order to develop roads, put in stormwater, put in sanitary, know where your utility connections are. The surveyor does all that at the beginning of the Right, of the okay. Show. Well, you know, I always wondered, especially in the old days, I'd done surveying before myself. You know, the, yeah. Kind of scary. <laughs> Actually, it's not hard. <laughs> no, okay? it's not. I mean, you, you had the, the scope sitting on the tripod, and you're looking no, through, I and you have the guy over there. Uh, you know, it's just a simple thing. you got to understand it. You know, and, and the thing that I always wondered is, like, when I'm standing here, and I shoot it over, and I see the all I was surveying was elevation. Okay, I wasn't surveying, right, you're, you know, using right. a level. Right. What do I do if I can't see that? Well, you pick up and you go somewhere else. Well, you, you can't you see it. Your, your part. Well, you, I, but, you know, I'm thinking you guys do this in the woods. 
Yeah. You know, like a, 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 an undeveloped plot of land, 50 acres. How in the world? Like, let's go back 30 years, because you guys now have GPS and all that stuff, right? And GPS doesn't work very well in the woods. It's, it's getting better. But GPS, once you get into the woods, you basically have to throw it away. So we, we would do more traditional surveying, which is total station and two guys, maybe three guys, and traverse through the woods. I mean, you know, if I have to go 100 feet because it's so dense, stick a point in the ground, you know, shoot that, set up on that, go another 100 feet, that's what I have to do. But then how do, done you that get, many how do you get the um, location? You, you have well, to use, for, for spotting the location, it just, uh, without GPS, I don't know how you do it. In the old days, it would be finding uh, monumentation and then referring it to its original deed. And, and or monumentation. What do you mean by that? Like my, uh, corner monumentation. So an iron pin on your corner, a concrete monument for your corner. Well, yeah, but I mean, if you're going out and doing a property out in the middle of nowhere, uh, you know, right? But they're what, all what's tied your to frame roads. Of, well, they're tied to what? To roads usually. Okay. They're not landlocked pieces. So if it's tied to a road and I can't find any monumentation, I might just take a shot down that road and know that that road is a certain bearing, and then from there. You know we're consistent with ourselves so we know where everything is in in relation to what we did right so we don't necessarily have to have you know exact starting points today it makes it easier and we are on national systems now almost right. all of our projects go directly to national systems and so the, that's and gps that's right 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 and that's so you can use gps in the middle of thick dense woods then no no you can't no no i would we would go outside those thick dense woods find a place where we can use it, All right. set two points so we know where we are, and then you set on one, sight the other one, right. and turn off and go. Yeah, right, okay. So once you turn off and you've you got an angle and a distance, you can go to the next point, and the next point, and the next point. Okay, now what do you do in rocky areas? I mean, you're gonna obviously get fluctuations in elevations, you just try to get the closest thing to Yeah, level. yeah, you, I mean, you, you run, you, you walk the whole property. You try to get the, the, the swales, the ups, the downs, the, the rocky surfaces, the edge of the woods. You know, uh, there's a ton of stuff that has to be done in it. Yeah. Well, and then also once they clear the land, you almost have to survey it again because they're changing elevations. Well, we're, we're telling them how to clear that land. I mean, once, once the surveyor gets done with his initial thing, they develop the land and they say, okay, now we're going to start building. Now that's a new phase. That's a, the construction phase. And they, the first guy they talk to is the land surveyor. And the land surveyor comes in and sets out stakes and says, okay, this is where you clear for the road. Dig right. the road in. This is where you're going to take gotcha. these woods down and put the pond in, the stormwater management facilities. You, we tell them everything. We tell them where the, where the stormwater goes, where the right. sanitary, where the potable water goes. We, we tell them where everything goes right based the on a curve, site map right. that someone created yep. based on your original survey they said all right this is what we're going to do yep. is we're going to put the roads everything else those are your design engineers and then all of a sudden you now go back to that property and say all right this is where all these spots are right. okay well, and, and you know a, a construction company then has control of the site and they call me and say okay i need to know where my clearing is okay and i need to know where my road goes in and then they'll rough cut it in because they're going to change the elevation of what's there to what they need for the future. Right. And they try, to, they, they try to what's called balance the site. So they don't want to make cuts into the site and have a whole bunch of dirt left over. They want to 
They, oh, believe me, and oh, it believe happens me. all the time. Oh, I know. I lived it. Right. So, uh, <laughs> and, and they, they got to take the topsoil, put the topsoil off to the side. Because they want to reuse the topsoil. They're going to reuse the topsoil. Right. But, you know, when you cut roads in and, and, and then you're digging in utilities, you have a lot of extra dirt that you're... you're right. So we try to balance the, the entire site so that very little either comes off or they have to go get dirt. They don't right. want to do that. Right, because it's costly to get dirt, exactly. and it's also costly to get rid of it. I mean, and the dirt itself, but it's cost for the transportation and the... And it's with rules and regulations, it's getting harder and harder to, to move dirt from one side to another. Yeah. Why? Environmental? Environmentally, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah you got to know where your dirt comes from, uh, and you got to have it tested so there's nothing... You know, apple orchards is, is a good example of that. Yeah, because yeah. they have all the pesticides and herbicides and, and uh, arsenic. Well, Plus, in the apples, there's arsenic. So right. an apple orchard over decades and decades builds a lot of poisons in the ground. Well, yeah. Oh, once yeah. they go to develop that particular piece of ground, they, they got can't it. just take that dirt anywhere and use it anywhere. They either have to use it on oh, the site yeah. Oh, yeah. because it's full of arsenic. Oh, of course. Right. Of course. But did you know that if you are twice the environmental standard, you know, like if arsenic is 10, the limit's 10, and your pile of dirt is 20. Right. What you do is take two piles of dirt, mix it in, and now it's less. Right. Because well, yeah. dilution is the solution to pollution. That is correct. That's a, that's a, don't say that out loud in too many places. But, well, don't, at least just don't say that on camera or where it might be recorded. Well, I could tell you stories. <laughs> but we won't go there right now. Well, no, I want to hear stories. No, I can't tell Make some, of these. some of the stories. But you got good stories. I mean, I, I believe me, I, I spent 12 years in the environmental engineering, and I've got stories. But aside from, call it the illegal story. You gotta have had good well, stories. Well, I, I, I worked uh, with a company called LVIP, Lehigh Valley Industrial Park, right? That redeveloped the Bethlehem Steel site in, in South Bethlehem. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, well, we say redeveloped to what it is now. 100 acres or so. They they took it. Yeah, and they and we did that. We did we did a full survey of the site, and that one we probably had flown to get contours on it. A whole different story. Um, but we developed the whole industrial park, and then we staked it out also with with LVIP's help. Um, That's easier though. But the Bethlehem Steel, when they were there, they had, you know, they, they had a lot of environmental issues and there were a lot oh, of things yeah. that were, oh, yeah. were very bad. Uh, they had a Coke works and, uh, oh, yeah. and they, had, they had some uh, of their storm water that would go to creeks that were fairly good. So they had to make sure that water was fairly clean. And this is back in the 20s and 30s, you know, when they were just developing this stuff where they didn't know as much as they know today. But they also ran some to the Lehigh River because this project fronts the Lehigh River. So they would take that to the Lehigh, some storm to the Lehigh River because it was a bigger river, had more volume flowing through it. So right. they could put different things into the Lehigh as opposed to the Saucon. It's, it's opposed to the what? The Saucon Creek, which is the smaller creek. Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. a better quality stream, and they have designations on streams these days and, yeah. and it has to do with uh, cold water trout I'm not real that's not one of my areas of expertise so I don't know much about it but uh, they ran out one long storm line all the way probably two miles to get into the Lehigh River through wow. creeks over hill and and storm water is a gravity system yeah so it's got to be one-eighth of an inch per foot or something or well whatever they decide to do it right. one eighth, that's not a standard plumbers uh, grade is quarter inch per foot. Okay. 0.2% or 2%. And, uh, but they did whatever they had to do to go from here to here 
a mile away. Yeah, it's a long ways. With a, a bunch of manholes and, and inlets, and those are the storm structures and pipe, and take it the whole way out. That system still is active today. Oh, cool. And well, I, guess what? So the, the timing right now is we're up on a break, which is perfect example of where you move from one thing to another. Now we're done with surveying, and retirement date's coming up pretty darn soon. That's where you can just hang up your cleats or whatever, and then we'll move on to the next one. So what we'll do is we'll take a break for a moment for commercial, and, and we'll be right back. Have you saved enough for retirement? Are you financially prepared for an emergency or unexpected event? Have you thought about your financial future? Hi, I'm Mike Manager, founder of Manager & Associates Financial Planning. For over 20 years, we have been answering our clients' questions just like these as we develop unique and comprehensive financial plans tailored to meet their needs. When addressing your financial plan, we incorporate your entire financial picture, including taxes, estate planning, as well as investment planning and retirement planning. So call us today for a complimentary no-obligation consultation. A unique approach to financial planning. Welcome back to Financial Planning Explained. Uh, that break was perfect because now Mike's going to be taking a break going from his career of 34 years as a surveyor, which is cool. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of really cool stuff that we could talk about. We could probably do the whole episode on it, but uh, we're going to move into another subject that I find to be kind of uh, more inspiring to me. Well, actually, the, the whole concept of retiring is certainly probably more inspiring to you than it is to me. But, uh, you know, congratulations to Mike, who's retiring in a couple months. Um, and, and then you're going to drift off into the sunset. However, the sunset um, really includes you're going to be spending some time with the golf course, aren't you? Right, I'm a, a, as you said before, a minority owner of uh, Fox Hollow Golf Club in, in uh, Quakertown, Pennsylvania. Uh, little 18-hole public course. Uh, we have a great greenskeeper, and uh, you know, we offer golf to whoever wants Is to come and golf play. Is that <laughs> We also have a driving range, uh, yeah, a yeah, putting yeah. green. Yeah. We have a bar and a restaurant. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, all which are open to the public, obviously, um, and, uh, you know, hope to get people out there. We well, you know, it's a whole lot different, and so for what it's worth, when you referenced, um, and I didn't realize this until just the time I just played it. I played it a couple times in the past, and I played with you a few weeks ago, but um, it's if you're going up the Northeast Extension, you know, I saw a couple holes over there. I didn't realize that was Fox Hollow. Right. I had in my memory that it was somewhere different. Uh, right before the Quakertown exit on the, yeah. on the northbound side of the northeast extension. Right. 476. Is, yeah. Uh, they call it the Pennsylvania Hollow. Turnpike now. But, right. yeah, so, you know, I played that course a bunch of years ago. And I'll tell you what, it's, it's a good little course. Yep. Now, I remember because... We were talking a bunch of years ago how you guys, and not just you guys, I, I remember personally as a, I golf, okay, and, and I swear that particular year it was raining every freaking weekend. And as a golf course owner, you knew that it was raining every weekend. Yeah, what was, year was that, 2016? It was 17 or 18. Then not 18. Probably 17. Yeah, probably 17. Yeah, the, it started raining in, I think, July. 
and basically didn't stop for the whole year. We basically lost the entire portion of the year, which, of course, if you're a golf course, that's really where you're, you, you've paid off some of your bills. You're, you're starting to possibly make some money, and we lost the entire second half of the year. It was a terrible year for golf courses. and All courses. All courses. And, and you know, and one of the things you don't think about, you know, okay, you can't go play when it, when it rains, but after it's done raining, if your course is saturated, you can't allow the carts off the cart path. Right. And that, for the older golfers, that's a pretty big deal, where they I have to walk across the course to get to their ball and hit it. I'll tell you so what. So we lose play over that, too. It's also slow play. And it slows play down, yeah, uh, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, honestly, I hate cart path only. I would almost not golf. So, uh, so you, you're hitting We the get that all that. the time. Yeah, because you're right. Well, what happens is that if the golf, the cart path is on the left-hand side, you know full well where I'm hitting the ball. <laughs> Completely on the other side. Yeah, well. And if the cart path's on the right side, I'm hitting it on the left. Mm -hmm. And it slows down play. You're doing a whole lot more walking. And, you know, well, and, and you're right. The, the it's older hard people, to maintain the course. We can't cut the grass when it's soaking wet. Right. And, and our particular course, we, we are in a low-lying area next to uh, the Unami Creek. Oh, and, is that what that creek is? Yeah. And, okay. and it's a fairly good-sized creek at that point. And when it floods, I mean, it comes up and we've... I've seen probably six holes covered in water, and in the in the floods, literally underwater. Uh, literally underwater, yeah, yeah. So, have you ever had damage to the course as a result of it? We had one. Of, we have two bridges down. Well, we have more than. Two I remember bridges. the one bridge you were showing me. Two main bridges. Uh, the one that goes to the three T. That in in one of the floods that got knocked off its moorings, and we had to bring a uh, an excavator in to to lift it back into place. Did you well, know any surveyors that might have been able to help? <laughs> well, I, I don't know any right offhand, but um, in that particular case, we didn't need a surveyor. Yeah. We just needed to put it back where it yeah, should yeah, have yeah. been. Uh, well, it's a metal bridge, too. It's, it's not easy. Bridge, it need, no. you know, you no, need we to... couldn't have we couldn't have jacked it into place or brought a couple. We needed heavy in. equipment. We needed heavy equipment, and then you got to, you know, your cart path is only five feet wide. An excavator big enough to do that is eight feet wide. Right. Well, he's going to tear up the course all right. the way down. Right, exactly. Hey, you know what? That's, it was a challenge. And when year. you're doing it, the, the, the ground is soft. Yeah. yeah. So. And that actually ran into the next spring, too. And, and that spring was the, the next spring, if it was 17, 18, or 16 into 17, uh, the next spring we lost a lot of play because of the, it hadn't stopped raining that. Oh, really? No. Well, that wasn't just you, it was all golf courses. Oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, what happens in a situation like that? I mean, you know, you can't just have every golf course goes under, no pun intended, but, you know, yeah. you can't have every golf course go under because then what do people do? Yeah. No, in, in our case, you know, we, we were able to, to make it through. I, I think we had to get a loan from one of the other owners uh, short-term loan. Owners of the course? Of the course. Okay, yeah, so we just basically loan money to, okay. Right. There's eight of us and we have varying shares. Yeah. Uh, and one of them offered to, to help us get through this time because we, you know, we, we still have employees to pay, we still have chemicals to buy, we still have uh, whatever to run a golf course. Well, not to mention if you don't actually own the property or whatever outright, you're having to still make loan payments. Oh, yeah, we still had our mortgage to pay. Right, exactly, yep. exactly. And taxes and all that fun stuff. Yeah, taxes, they never go away for some reason. <laughs> so there's probably a whole lot more that goes into golf course management than I ever thought. And, you know, it's a simple thing that 
uh, I belong to an association, belonged to an association that they basically didn't want us anymore because we used to go out at 7.15, a shotgun start. I mean, we all start like at the same time. And the problem is, is they said, well, gee, we have to get all our guys in to start cutting the greens every at 5 a.m. Yep. So now, do you guys cut the greens every day? Uh, I don't know if they cut them every day. And it, of course, it depends on the time of year. It depends on how much moisture you're getting and how fast they're growing. So you may not, in, we're kind of in dry conditions right now. So they may not have Which to cut them. Which is amazing. It's May. It is. Yeah. We, April showers, bring May flowers. Yeah, and all we didn't that have much stuff. in the form of we April. We didn't have, yeah, we're, we're in basically drought conditions now. Are we we really? could use Are a little not? bit of rain. But yeah, they, they of course, they, they cut the grass. They get out on one right away. And then they, Go, Try to stay ahead of everybody. They stay ahead of everybody. Right. A, a, a shotgun start, they're going to have to set up the course the day before in, in order to do that. Oh, okay. I got you. Yeah, okay. they, they would have to cut everything the day before and, and try to work around golfers at that time. Yeah, you don't like to have your grass cutters and stuff, but on the course during the weekends when, when you get the majority of your play. But during the week, they have to be out there cutting grass and uh, taking care of the... the uh, Whole bunch of things they got to take care of. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, you know, so how often is the pin placement changed? Is that done every day? I think they do it every day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That that's all the greenskeeper. Corey's our greenskeeper. He 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 decides all that. He he decides cart path only. He, he well, he yeah, comes because out in the morning. Gotta, you got to protect the course. And, you and have I to protect that. the course. Yeah. Well, that's why they got rid of metal spikes years ago because they found that people would get on the greens and at the Scuff. cup. Well, at the cup, they would turn, you know, pick up their ball and then just spin with their foot in the ground, and that would rip up the... the, the uh, that's one of that the reasons why? they got rid of. Yeah, I always that. thought that it was damp. Well, it was damp well, to the green. But when I when there's plastic spikes, I'm leaving these dents in the ground. Yeah. I'm like, well, wait a minute. This seems sort of... I'm actually aerating it. So how often do you aerate? Is that twice a year or once a I, year? We, I think we do twice a year. We just did it April 5th of this year. And, and that's, that's all golf courses do it at the same time, right? Well... In around the same time, yeah. Uh, we plug aerate the greens and, and the tees, and then uh, yeah, they top dress it. And uh, and we haven't had much rain since then. And, and you know, the, the, for the green to repair itself, it needs it needs water and, and uh, sun. And it hasn't been getting much water. Yeah, but, lately it hasn't been getting much sun either. No. Well, we've had some good days. I mean, that that's not that much of a problem. But we could use a little bit more rain. We, so can, we you, can water, but... You can water. How do you do? You have an irrigation system of some right. sort. We here? have we have irrigation systems. We can water all the greens. Uh, we just can't water all the fairways. Okay. So. Okay. Well, it's not cheap to be installing those irrigation systems. No, no. And you know, certainly when you have a year like you had in 2017, where you lose most of your revenue, a lion's share of. I mean, as a percentage of your revenue, how much did you lose that year from normal? That was probably sixty percent of it. You lost say. sixty. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. But now, I think you were telling me that right now golf is more popular than it may have ever been. Well, last year with the pandemic and everybody being restricted as to what you were allowed to do for any kind of fun or relaxation or anything, luckily our governor allowed us to open the courses in May. We lost all of April last year. And May Second was a Saturday. We had our biggest single play day of, in history. Really? And uh, everybody had a had an urge to get out and do something. And we had a very good year last year. And, and a lot of it was because of the pandemic. 
and people were at home with not much to do. They weren't allowed to go to the movies, go out to eat, go do anything. No sporting events, no concerts, no nothing. But they were allowed to play golf, and, and we were fortunate enough to have them come down to Fox Hollow, and we had a great year last year. Yeah, that's good. And not only that, but then people are getting acclimated to the course. I think the layout's terrific. It's interesting. It's, uh, <laughs> it was, I, I, I forget the gentleman's name that built it. I, I apologize for that. But uh, uh, the guy that owned it before my uncle Jack Eckenrode had bought it in 87, he built the course one hole at a time and basically built 18 holes. Really? Yep. That's interesting. It was what called else? Thunderbird at that time. All right. That's interesting. Yeah. You know what else is interesting? We're out of time. Yeah. <laughs> what, a half you hour know, just flew by. Uh, yeah, doesn't it? You know what? I kind of blew it. We talked too much about the boring stuff called work and didn't leave ourselves enough time I, I, to talk I, about know, golf. I, I hope some kids, if kids watch these shows, I hope they, you know, we, we could use some surveyors. As surveyors, are, it's not many people go into that. Field. Well, you know why? So I, I mean, I, it, it doesn't require an education. I don't know, take that the wrong way, but <laughs> you don't need a college education to become a surveyor, do you? Not yet in Pennsylvania, but that's common. You oh, can really? still go in under the 10-year experience rule. Yeah. To become a PLS. To become a PLS. Right, but that doesn't mean you can't be a surveyor. I mean, it's like oh, a trade. No, no, no. It's yeah, like a trade, if you will. Right. Uh, a lot of kids get into it and kind of fall into it in construction companies because a construction company doesn't want to pay a private surveyor, so he needs somebody to help him, and he'll have one of his guys start doing it. Right. That's good at math. As long as you're good at math, you can be a decent and, and It's really not that hard, but you're right. I did know when I was doing it. You it's to, extremely yeah, difficult. Yeah, extremely. Yeah, I see that. I, I can tell. I, I can tell you. Yeah, right. I'm sure. Stories. I'm sure. Exactly. So anyway, um, well, thanks for coming. I appreciate it. I enjoyed uh, it. Um, yeah, we could have talked about golf longer than that. but Next you know. time I'll come a little earlier. So. <laughs> it didn't help much for the show. But. Oh, well. Anyway, uh, I thank you for joining us this week. As you can tell, we have fun with this show. Um, I'd like to have spent more time in the golf course management, but, hey, that's the way it goes. I kind of split it in two. Um, you know, surveying is cool stuff, too. Uh, certainly, I learned a few things as it pertains to the whole construction process. But um, anyway, I hope everyone has a great week, and I look forward to seeing you next week on the show of Financial Planning Explained. And I'm your host, Mike Manager, Certified Financial Planner. hope you have a great time and have a great week. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in.